righty. Um, so we're going to do some Q&A with Kyle. And I didn't think of doing the, what is it, the Fast 110 or something like that, where we, yeah, we didn't do that. So, but anyway, this is Kyle Schlegel. And uh, I'll give you a chance just to quickly, you got your kids here and uh, your wife is somewhere else. I'll give you a quick chance just to introduce your family and tell us a little bit about uh, some of the work that you do and the ministry that you're part of. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to just drill you with some good questions okay. that you have seen already. But, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm really happy to be back. If many of you remembered, we were um, up at Deer Run. It would have been last July. Um, we've been home kind of on a furlough uh, in the States. I live just down south of Warren, Ohio. That's where I grew up. Um, yeah, I've got my three kids with me, Bianca, my oldest, Danae, and Egan. Um, unfortunately, Anya wasn't able to make this trip. The Americans are a little tough on the border, so we decided not to risk that. Um, but my story is, I'm a missionary in Ukraine. I went over the first time when I was 17 years old with our, our youth, group from, youth group from our church in Ohio. There was 45 of us, um, and it was a, it was a short trip. I think we, we were over there two weeks, maybe. And uh, I just really, God really gave me a heart for the nation. Um, I fell in love, you know, so to speak. And uh, really loved the people, loved the culture, loved the food. Um, and then later, of course, loved my wife. You know, she kind of <laughs> helped me stay. Um, we got married in 2003. Um, I joined, a, our mission is called Youth of the Mission, um, YWAM, if you've heard of it. Um, we have probably between 50 and 60 full-time staff with us. Um, in Kiev, and Ani and I kind of, we're, we're the leaders. We have been for about six or seven years. Um, we have about 10 different ministries. Um, all those ministries, if we could make it in a nutshell, they focus on evangelism, mercy ministry, and training. Those are the three areas we focus on. Um, when we talk about mercy ministry, um, we talk about orphans um, and refugee ministry, and also um, different programs and stuff for disabled kids. Um, our orphan ministry is called Key of Hope, and they um, go probably two or three times a week out to work with disabled kids. Um, in Ukraine, there's not a very good program for children with autism or children with special needs. The government just, they don't know what to do with it. It's a new thing. Um, unfortunately, there's, there's no money for it. So a lot of times parents are just like left to fend for their own or put them in some sort of, you know, institution um, where they can kind of be taken care of. So what we do is we go out and minister to parents and give them a little bit of a break. Um, and we take care of the kids, we teach them, we uh, do different games and programs, activities with them um, three times a week. And then also we bring orphanages, orphans in from the orphanages uh, in the summertime, uh, in the winter as well. And we run camps. We have a big property, it's about eight acres, and our team just ministers to orphans. We bring them away from their normal environment, and we have Bible studies, we have sports camps, sometimes we take them, we have a boat, we take them mm -hmm. out skiing and wakeboarding, um, all kinds of fun games and activities, and then um, our short-term teams, what they do is they come, and then we, we partner together with them, and then we do a camp. Um, this summer, we have probably maybe eight camps that are going to be happening um, with orphans. The first one happens in June, so that's a big part of our orphan ministry, and it really happens during the summer because the kids are all off school. Um, Where do these orphans come from? They come from orphanages, state, state orphanages, okay. out, usually outside the city. Sometimes they're a little further in the country. Um, we bust them in. Um, we help, usually the teams that are coming, we, we, get, we ask them to raise funds to help us cover the camp. And then our, our teams minister with those teams together um, that are coming over. And the, yeah, so they, they come from all walks of life. There's 100,000 orphans in Ukraine. Um, 60,000 of them are social orphans, what we call social orphans, where... 
the state has come in and taken them because of alcoholic parents or abuse or whatever, and then 40,000 of them are, have no parents. So there's a big need um, in that area in an orphanage. And there's a lot of mis- missions like us that are doing those kind of things. We're, we're not the only one, but uh, we have a heart for that. Um, and then we do refugees. Um, the war with Russia is still happening. Um, during its intense stuff, its intense fighting, a lot of people fled into Kiev, um, actually all over Ukraine. So we have probably maybe three or 400,000 refugees in Kiev. We minister to a group of probably maybe one or 200. Um, and we basically go out to where they're living. They live in these government-owned kind of, I don't know, they're like, it's like a camp or a sanatorium or something like that. And we just take care of the kids. We help them, you know, we do Bible studies with them. We try to bring them, show them the love of Jesus. We have a clothes dis- a clothing distribution center. Um, as new folks come in, we, you know, we help them out that way. We collect clothes and, and take them out. The other thing we do is we go to the, to the hospitals and minister to soldiers um, that are coming back from the front lines that have been injured or are going through psychological, mm-hmm. you know, the PTSD is a big thing that we're dealing with now. And so our, our staff is trained to help at least help them cope with those kind of things, doing various therapy, therapeutic things like, you know, they decorate mugs, they do different projects with the soldiers. And then we also minister to the widows because um, there's a lot of widows now that have lost their husbands in the battle. So um, when we talk about mercy ministry, that's what we're talking about. Evangelism, we have uh, a cafe ministry. We go in and teach English. Right now it's, um, we go into a coffee shop and we have a team that speaks English. They just put up a sign like here, we're sitting having a cup of coffee. Hey, I speak English. And that's how they attract people. So young people, they want to learn English. So it's a great method just to get people just talking about Jesus and talking, just mm-hmm. talking English. So mm-hmm. um, they've probably reached 150, 200. We haven't started it very long. It's a new ministry. Our heart is to eventually have a cafe in the city that will be ours, that we can actually, you know, have, because we have baristas, our staff, some of our staff are trained as baristas. Um, he has, Matish, he's a Hungarian. He has a real heart for that. Um, so our heart is eventually to have a, full blood, a full-blown cafe um, in the city. Um, and then our teams, our short-term teams come through, and they go and preach on the streets. This weekend is Easter. Right now, actually today is Easter in Ukraine. Um, the Orthodox um, celebrate Easter this Sunday, um, just like we would here, just a different Sunday. And our team, one of our teams, uh, Bianca will talk about that later, our King's Kids team. Um, that's another ministry we have. Uh, their heart is evangelism, and they're all teenagers. So both my daughters are involved in that. And they do artistic dramas and dances um, in the streets of Kiev and Turkey. They went to Turkey. I think she'll share a little bit about that. But this weekend they did an Easter thing, and they, they made a drama about the Easter, you know, the Easter thing. And people, we had they had a crowd of 100 to 200 people watching them. Wow. Um, and they're teenagers. They're very bold. They're not like you know. I'm I'm not as bold as them. They, <laughs> those guys, they have no fear. Um, in Turkey, it's a very Muslim, you know, Muslim country. And they, they were on the streets, and three families, three Muslim families came to the Lord through that. One of the couples that, that got saved through their, through their ministry came. Uh, we weren't there. We were here, actually, um, this last fall. And they said, you just, they talked to our King's Kids team and uh, our leaders and said, you just don't understand how much that impacted our lives. Just seeing Christianity through dance and art. And that's, just, that's all it took for them to give their life to the Lord. And they're, they're on fire. They're so excited um, but to, it's, a, it's just a great testimony of God, how he uses teenagers. I mean, mm-hmm. these guys are amazing. Mm-hmm. Not just my daughters, but the whole team. Um, yeah. Cool. God's just so you can them. sense the energy in, in Kyle and the enthusiasm for it, for, which is awesome. Uh, you may be wondering, how in the world did we get to know um, Kyle and Anya? And my wife and I had the privilege of being there two years ago. And just um, as we were 
talking. Somehow we ended up having lunch. It was supposed to be an hour lunch, and we ended up having about four or five hours and just long conversation. And through that, last year, we were able to send a team there. And I know sometimes people ask, like, do these teams make a difference? What difference does a team um, coming down there? And I know we, as a mission team, have been in contact with you about future possibilities and things like that. But talk to us a little bit about a team coming down there and doing a roof and then leaving. What does it help? Is there a positive impact? Yes, for sure. Good answer. Yeah, yeah, answer. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ike told me not to be long-winded, so I'm just going to say yes. Yeah, okay. No. Um, <laughs> Yes, our boat, the, the roof team, the boat was warm. We got praise all around. It helped us immensely, um, not just for the physical part, but also our staff are encouraged when we see people coming over. That's a, it's a big encouragement for our staff when they see uh, teams giving up time um, to come over and minister with them mm. or do, do a project like that. Um, and the other thing I think that short-term mission, like especially I really encourage youth groups to go because kids are so impacted when they can go and see how other people live. I mean, when you get it, um, young people outside of their comfort zone, outside of their iPods and iPhones, and you get them to a, another nation where they can see a whole different type of lifestyle and other kids mm. their age and how they live, it's just so impactful. So I am all for short-term teams. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of you know, people out there, theories that, man, short-term teams are not effective. I, I disagree wholeheartedly. We love short-term teams. We think there is great impact. You come in, you blow them up. You blow them up with the gospel with Jesus, and then we follow up with them. And then we have, we have a platform. And, you know, with the orphans, if I think when people, when teams come and they just give, they make these crafts and they make these small gifts, those kids hang on to them for life. I mean, they, they love them. Like, we, I remember a team came and brought McDonald's Happy Meal toys back, you know, in the early, when I was there, early 2000s. Um, and the kids, I just remember watching their faces, happy the word, to have this little, this little Happy Meal toy. Because our orphanages are rough. They don't have basic things. And so, yeah, just those small, impactful, short-term teams, absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's, a, it's a, great, a great impact for us and for the team that's coming every time. Now, you've talked a little bit about the evangelism that you guys do. I want just speak really quickly. Like, how is the gospel making a difference in Ukraine? And I know it's not, um, you know, it's post post-communism right. and a number of those kind of things. Um, what are some of the barriers? Um, what is the spiritual climate of the people of Ukraine? Um, when I was there, my wife and I were walking down the street and, and all the, the places are fenced off and the people are quiet. They're not, you know, on the subway, not all of them are smiling a lot. And, and you, you kind of get a sense of a, a people that have a burden, uh, you know, and I just, I remember we were just walking saying this seems to just be a spiritual darkness in some ways. And yet at the same time, I sense from you, there's maybe also a spiritual hunger. And so talk to us a little bit about how is the gospel, you know, when you go going out doing evangelism and sharing Jesus, how is it received? So there's about eight questions in that one. So yeah, yeah. that should take us to the end. Right. No. <laughs> well, I think, you know, when you talked about post-Soviet and that, that dark, you know, kind mm. of, you know, I'll speak into that a little bit. The Soviet Union trained, you know, the big fences. They trained uh, their people because of fear and because of their leadership to think for themselves, like to um, only watch out for themselves. Okay, so there's a, there's a, it, there's no sense of community in Ukraine. That's one thing. That's a big struggle. So that really takes away from even the, the, the how the church functions. Um, you have, you still kind of have the Soviet. Um, mentality in a lot of the big churches where it's a little bit top down. I don't want to criticize the Ukrainian church too much. I want to be careful with that, but mm. there is still that sense of top down leadership. Whatever the pastor says goes, um, and that's just carried over from the Soviet Union. With the big fences and stuff, again, everybody's in fear. They're worried. I'm worried. You know, even though I know you, you can still cheat me, mm. and that's why they have fences. That's why they're cold. That's why they're 
not so friendly. Now, we're seeing changes with the young generation coming up. There's a lot more hope, a lot more active, a lot more smiles, a lot more um, just energy in a different sense. So I think that's changing because I was talking to the men's group last night. You know, my wife, she only lived in the Soviet Union for 12 years, I think. That's how long she experienced communism. Now, if you're 30 and under, you've experienced it, you know, very little. 20 and under, you don't know what it is. And so that's changing. You can, mm. You're going to see, I think, a different climate, a different kind of uh, culture coming out, in a sense, out of Ukraine. Spiritually, because it's so tough in Ukraine right now, people are very open. Um, with the war in the East, the economy, um, people are really looking for an answer. Like I said, this crowd over Easter was big, and people asked questions. I think... Um, Despite all the hope, you know, people listen when they're down. When you're down, you'll listen to what pe- someone else has to say because it can't get much worse. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think we're seeing. Um, people are, are really open to asking questions. You know, what is Jesus? What is the gospel? What, what, you know, what can I do to make my life better? What, you know, what, so does what can government happen? restrict any of that sharing? No. Government, Ukraine is probably the freest um, country for evangelism in the former Soviet Union. In Russia, you can't even hold up a sign. Like, they'll, they'll arrest you on spot for that. We have a, I was telling the guys last night, we have a staff member. Her father's a pastor in St. Petersburg. And pretty much every month, three, four times a month, he gets to go through a five-hour interview with the FSB, which was the, is the former, you know. And he, um, they drill him, and he has to have everything in a line. There, there's a law that recently was passed that you can't even have home groups now outside of, outside of church. The only place you can talk about Jesus is inside the church. So there's a, it's a lot more um, tighter with how you do it. All, all the former Soviet unions like that. Mm. Ukraine, however, free. Signs, mm. microphones, speakers, it's, it's a great place. Last year was the Reformation. The government signed the five-year Reformation of Martin Luther. They said, have freedom. You can do whatever you want as a church. So there was events all year long. We could do whatever we wanted under mm. that, under that cool. banner. Yeah. That's cool. All right, we want to shift focus a little bit because uh, when we were there talking to Kyle and Anya, one of the things I realized very quickly is that they spend a lot of their time raising funds for the ministries or the base of, uh, of Kiev. And as we were talking, one of the things we realized is like, oh, so there's a... Because on the one hand, you're the fundraiser for the base. And then on the other hand, you, because of the way um, you, uh, YWAM works, you still have to raise your own funds. And so this morning, don't worry, we're not having another offering. But th- this morning, we want to talk a little bit about... Because we as a church have, these, uh, have made a decision to partner with them. And so we've set some money aside and, and we're going to continue to grow that over the years. But um, I want you to just talk really quickly to us. How do you and Anya and your family, like how are you raising your support? What kind of support do you need? Uh, what's involved in that? Because I think some of us, um, I think when we think of missionaries, we may think of a little bit of a different model where the church is supported or the conference supports it. But you guys are on your own to raise that support. So talk to us a little bit about what that looks like and... And how it's going. Yeah, like I said, yeah, YWAM is a little different in that. Uh, some organizations, they're, you know, conferences, whatever, it's supported. All YWAMers from our founder down to our, the person who cooks or cleans up trash is funded through churches, through individuals, through relationship. That's how we do. It's relationship building. That's, mm. that's how we do it. We, we meet with small groups, we meet with individuals, and we travel a lot, and we're just kind of, you know, getting people involved, you know, in, in, in relational relational aspects. So we, that's how we raise our funds. It's all through individuals and through churches. Um, actually, we probably get more support, financial support through individuals than we do the churches, actually. Um, and that's just built through relationship. Mm-hmm. We spend time, a lot of times we'll host like a dinner 
um, and we'll cook Ukrainian food and have a dessert night or whatever, and that's how we, we do it. But it's all through relationship. So it's harder when we're out there longer, So you know, because we spend a lot of time out there, three years at a time. So it's harder for us to keep in contact and keep you know, fundraising all the time. So when we come home, we usually come home and have a big blast. Where we do, like this year, we do a lot of traveling, we do a lot of speaking, and try to get our support up so we can stay out there another two or three years without having to worry about that. Um, so that's that cool. Because, I, yeah, because last time when you were here, I said to Kyle when he was done, I'm like, wow, you didn't bring up finances once. And he's like, no. Yeah. And so it, you will notice very quickly with them, they're not the kind that, you know, um, are going to throw that in your face. So, so let, allow me for a second to do that for him. Uh, I want to encourage you to consider sponsoring them as a family. Okay, there's papers in the back and there's some magnets and things like that. Sponsoring them through prayer, finances, and just joining in with them and what they're doing over there. And I think that this is a great opportunity for, for many of us in this, in this church to say, yes, our church is giving some, but we want to be involved in the work that they're doing over there. And so uh, shifting gears one more time really quick, and then Bianca, I'll call you up to share a little bit about some of the experiences that you've had there. Uh, Kyle, I know last time when we talked, and you and I have had some conversations about this uh, on our own, and so you, you, know, you can share as much as you, you want here, but we talked about the, um, the processing going back. And you know, you've been now in North America and the American dream and, and what that looks like, and you've seen you know, the homes and the cars and, and the retirement plans and, and all that fun stuff. And, and I know that through conversations that I've had with you, um, help us understand what that's like. To, to make that, or try, yeah. try to help us understand what that's like to say, I'm going to kind of give up or leave behind or whatever it might be. You put it in your own words. Talk to us a little bit about what's that process like of having to go back. And I know that you've said you've, you've processed this yeah. quite a bit. So yeah, I've been processing this for probably the last couple years. Um, yeah. Just uh, there's been an inner battle in me um, to give things up, you know, just the exhaustion of the fundraising the, you know, seeing things, you know, I'm 37 years old and, I, you know, I've been, it's been a battle with the Lord, you know, asking, am I still supposed to be out here? And then you come home and you have those questions. You have those friends, they love you, but like, what, what about your retirement fund? Why don't you have a house yet? You know, you, you, you battle with that. And it's just been, the only thing I have to stand on is the words of the Lord. Um, so that has been a real, it, you know, our kids go through it too. Um, you know, you see your friend, you know, they build a nice big house and you're like, man, I just would love that. Hmm. It, it would be more stable to come back and have a normal job to have, you know, the government putting the money aside for you, for your social security, whatever it is, you know, life would be easier. I know I would know what the paycheck would be every month and I wouldn't have to worry, you know, get my kids in school. You know, our schools, we pay through a tax is great. I don't have to raise, you know, a bunch of money to send them to their, their school they're doing. All that would be wonderful. But there's that battle, and I know that I just, I have to follow what, what God has told me to do, because I still love the nation. I still think there's so much more yet that he wants me to get done before, before we come home, and I, I'm not sure when that'll be. Um, it's been a battle, though, this year, you know, getting over that fear, because um, it's, it's fearful. You know, you worry, you know, like, you hear people around you, you see people around you, they have that financial security, they have that retirement fund, and we're like, man, we don't even have, sometimes we don't have $100 in the bank. You know, it's just... It's reality hits you, and you're like, "What am I gonna do?" But you gotta trust. But it's got it's got in my mind. It's got to be more than just money, though, too. Yeah, for sure. Because there's as a father, yeah. as a husband. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, caring for the family. Exactly. And is this best for? Do you want to talk to that about that or? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, as a as a husband, as a father, there is that 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 pressure to provide, mm -hmm. and and when you, <laughs> I don't want to get emotional and 
too deep here, but when you see, you know, the struggles and you see, you know, your kids, hey, why don't we have that? Why can't we go to Disney? You know, it's, it, it gets you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just be honest with you. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to manipulate yeah, 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 yeah. or anything like that. I just, I want you to hear us as we, as we head back and the things we're, we're normal too. We deal with those temptations. Um, as you know, sometimes we're put on this pedestal, like you need to be holy, you know, but we have our struggles too. We, we have those temptations. And me as a father, as a husband, I struggle with that. I love sales. I love the business world. I love that. Um, and so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure so, there's that struggle, yeah. That's, yeah, and I think that, that that's something that we sometimes maybe don't understand because I'll, I'll, I'll try not to say I relate, but as a pastor, I know that in the past, I've, you know, you've sort of have these attitudes sometimes from people, well, you're in ministry. Um, having faith that God will provide must be easy because you're doing the Lord's work, you know? And uh, I jokingly said this in our, to our mission team the other day. It's like, you know, pastors, missionaries, um, when you go to the grocery store, they still expect you to pay the same amount as everyone else. And so, um, you know, I think this is, this is a, one of those things that maybe we don't fully understand what that process is like for you, but I want to encourage you, all of us here, to really con- take them under prayer and praying for them and, and uh, asking God to give them peace and lead them and provide for them. And then obviously, again, to be challenged um, to consider how we can be a part of, of that journey for you. So, Bianca, why don't you come on up and uh, let's give Bianca a hand. She's... So your dad's up here to give you uh, emotional support. If you, you, you probably don't need it. So grab a seat, grab a seat. He's going to stand behind you. Um, so, Bianca, I, am I allowed to ask how old you are? I'm 13 years old. 13 years old. And uh, you've been out there with your parents uh, for quite some time. And uh, one thing I've, I saw last time you were here, um, when you were wrestling with the people in the pool, uh, you can definitely hold your own. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure that uh, your dads, uh, you know, have to experience the wrestling and all that at times. But uh, um, talk to us about how you've made, you know, as you've come back, you've made some big adjustments. You know, you've been in Ukraine um, for a long stretch of time, your, your whole life, I'm assuming, and now you've come back. Um, what have some of those adjustments been? What are some observations that you've made, maybe about people here? You speak to it how you want. Well, I went to a new school, Highland. Um, apparently, it's very small. It's not small for me. <laughs> I mean, I go to a school where there's like 150 people, elementary and high school and middle school. And so here, there's like 80 kids in my class, and it's just big and overwhelming. And so when I came here, I was like, wow, this is a really, really big school. (laughs) And they're like, no, this is a very small school for like this region. I'm like, "Uh, no, it's not. And (laughs) yeah, so um, like in the hallways, you bump into people and you're just like, oh gosh, like I'm not, I don't have my own, like I have a bubble, but like sometimes in Ukraine, you get really close, like really close. And here, I mean, I didn't really mind it and stuff. And then friends and stuff, like making new friends. I had two friends that I knew, so it wasn't that hard making new friends. But the people there are very clingy, so they're groupy. And so, like, it was easier in the beginning to kind of go in to get, like, fit in. But, like, when you're a teenager, you know, you always have those Mm. struggles and stuff. And, yeah, I mean... It was, there's ups and downs and stuff. Cool. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you've adjusted well. Yeah. And I think that, again, shows to your strength and family support and friends. And so uh, now let's shift gears a little bit and talk about, your dad's alluded a little bit to how you're on the dance team. 
Am I saying it right? Um, and so talk to us about that because <clears throat> I got to tell you a little secret. Most of these people are Mennonites. And the idea that dance can be used for ministry, don't be surprised if maybe a handful faint, okay? Just, they're going to have a hard time with it, but uh, you just, you just help us out, okay? Help us out. But um, you, 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 you do this different ministry. How are you involved in the ministry that, uh, not just your family, but YWAM is doing in Ukraine? Yeah, so like my dad said, we're called King's Kids. We're teenagers. It's from sixth grade and up. And we go and we evangelize usually about two times a month. And we go on the streets. Usually it's one place downtown right in the center where everybody is. And it's usually on a weekend when it's nice and warm. So people really come and like mm. listen to you and look like dance, watch you dance and stuff. And it really impacts people because you're not just standing there and like saying what you do wrong and what you do right. Mm. And it takes like some of the plays. They're kind of easy to understand, but it's easier to process like a play than like actually reading a scripture from the Bible and it's easier to process it while you're watching it and we sometimes read from the Bible and then we explain the play and stuff and we say what it's supposed to be and how it's going to impact your life and people ask questions afterwards and they're like wow that was such an amazing play that was amazing and then we usually get together every Saturday and yeah we go to churches sometimes and we dance there because it's just fun to see people dance. That's cool. And we also took a mission trip to Turkey. Um, we went there for about 10, 10 days, yeah. Okay. And so we did work there, and we had to climb up this humongous hill every single day. <laughs> it's a challenge. And up there, there were a bunch of kids, Kurds and... What was the other group? Kurdish group. I don't know Kurdish group Kurdish, and... Yeah. Kurdish group, and they're very self-centered. They've been through a lot with Turkey not accepting them and stuff, and they move around. And so they're, they're not welcome, welcoming at all. Like, you have to really work with them to bond and stuff. And so there weren't a lot of kids. There were maybe like five at the beginning. And then eventually they kept coming. There were like 20, 25, 30 and they kept coming, coming, and they would just watch us, and they would dance with us, and we would play with them, and we'd feed them, and it was really fun, like, watching how they would really enjoy our company and stuff, and it was really fun. So that, that's got to take, that's got to take some guts. Yeah, it does. Like, are, are you, like, you're, so you're part of a team, how big? Um, I'd say 20, about 20. 20 people, mm -hmm. and can I, rough age, age range? Probably like from 11, 10 to like 18, 19. So all teenagers. All teenagers, Young, young yep. kids. Mm -hmm. that's, that's amazing. Wow. So not too many of our teenagers here would say, yeah, I danced in Turkey. And, um, you know, so that's, that's pretty cool. Now, here's a, <clears throat> a question. There's not a lot of kids in this service. There will be more in the next one. But talk to us a little bit about what's it like being a missionary kid? Um, I know my kids, when they talk about being a pastor's kid and those kind of things, uh, what has the experience been like for you being a missionary kid? Well, you meet a lot more people. You usually have a lot more people at your house, and you're very, um, you have to be very um, outgoing. Like, you can't just stay in your room and lock the door and say, no, you're not allowed in my room. Hmm. You have to be very um, welcoming and not really comfortable. It's 
sometimes it's not comfortable, sometimes it is comfortable. Like, we usually have probably three people come into our house every single night, and you're just like, like during dinner or something, and you're like, yeah, hi, and then usually they kind of sit and talk and like drink coffee and, <laughs> and tea. Don't leave and yeah, and then you're just like, okay, okay. And then, um, yeah, and so <laughs> you have to like homework and stuff, and you just don't really want to leave because it's kind of like disrespectful to leave, and you're just like, okay, I'm annoyed with you, just get out of my house. <laughs> I was told you were the honest one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, I like the company sometimes. It depends who's over. Sometimes we have, like, my mom's side of the family. They have six kids, five girls and a boy. Your mom's going to be watching this later, so... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like them. They're really fun, yeah. but sometimes they get a little bit loud and mm. obnoxious and stuff and so you're just like you love them I mean they're family and so like you enjoy their company and stuff but they're like they're just always there and stuff but I mean yeah. it's okay yeah I do like be being a missionary yeah. kid so, well said said as a 13 year old uh, and I thank you for your honesty because I think that we can glamorize it and, I, and I'm, I'm hoping with your answer and with your answer what we're seeing is that these are real people you know, it's not like the little things that would bug us wouldn't bug them, and then the little things that give us joy aren't going to give them joy. And so uh, um, we have like a minute left, and so I just want to, any final thing that you want to share? No, yeah, I mean... Grab the mic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, we have our challenges just like anybody else. Um, yeah, but I mean, I'm really proud of my kids. They have done well. They're champions. Um, what she didn't tell you was I didn't go on that trip it was her, my wife and all the kids, and during that time in Turkey, there was the coup. The coup d'etat happened, and so I was really, really nervous. The police, she didn't tell you the police stopped and, you know, were asking a few questions and stuff, but they, they love them. One thing we don't understand is in Turkey, they love kids, so they're, they just have, the, even the police, everybody stops because they love to see kids doing things. They just, they, the... Islam, that Muslim culture has a love for children down there. Mm. It's, it's unexplainable, but they... She didn't say those things, but yeah. So I'm, pr I'm proud of these guys. I'm yeah. proud of my kids. Yeah. So I'm going to give you guys a chance. Kyle, you're gonna, he's just going to go in the back there. And so we'll let you guys go now and get back yeah. there. And I'm going to wrap up. But uh, I'd like to just challenge you again. I, I, we're not here today to do fundraising. Uh, trust me, that's not what this is about. But I do want to just say, I hope as you listened. And Bianca, thank you for being so brave and coming up here. And I just want to um, challenge us to consider, all of us here today, to consider how we can pray for them and how we can maybe um, sponsor them uh, directly. And uh, I just hope that as they head back uh, in a few uh, months, um, that we would just continue to ha and keep them in our prayers. And so let me close in a word of prayer, and then you are dismissed. And he's going to be back there, and so feel free to take some time and chat. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this uh, time. And God, I just thank you that we had a chance just to Listen to some really real people who are being honest with us and sharing about what life is like for them as they serve you in Ukraine. Thank you, God, for their willingness. I thank you for Bianca and Danae and Egan and uh, for Anya and Kyle. Thank you, Lord, for their willingness to, to give themselves, and especially for the kids, as I know they make sacrifices, and, and for Kyle and Anya as they um, deal with some uncertainties at times. Thank you so much, God, for their willingness. I pray that you would reward them. And I pray, God, that each one of us here would just um, consider them and keep them in mind as we pray and as we uh, consider being generous. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you, and have a wonderful rest of the day.